From late 80s child prodigy to genre-shattering veteran professional, Danny Way has progressed what was possible on a skateboard for his entire 30-plus year career. In this never-before-released interview from 2012, he discusses what drives him to be Danny Way and try to hit every topic that skate nerds like myself would be dying to know. This interview was just prior to the Melbourne premiere of his documentary, Waiting for Lightning, chronicling his life story. I can't recommend the documentary enough, and if you check out the enhanced video version of this episode, you'll catch a bunch of footage from the film. A link to both the YouTube video version of this episode and the Waiting for Lightning film are in this episode's show notes. As it was actually recorded in a giant room for a magazine interview, the sound quality isn't the best at times. But it's a great in-depth chat with a true icon of skateboarding. I am Steel Saunders and this is Manchester Lane Radio, the podcast of The Shore Store Melbourne. All right, Danny, thank you for spending some time with us. It's quite an honour. Likewise. Thank you very much. (laughs) So you're on a bit of a worldwide tour pretty much of people expressing their love for you. Yeah, I don't think that's the intention. It's well appreciated and and I, I don't take any of that for granted. I know just in Melbourne, the skaters that the after tickets and are going are just, you know, they're so amped for it. Well, that really makes me feel good inside that, you know, after all this time that I still have some relevance in skateboarding, you know, much, much appreciation for my, you know, all the people that have supported me for this long. Um, But, you know, the movie wasn't about trying to get, you know, uh, rekindling the past to try and re-glorify anything, but actually maybe the opposite more so to Mm -hmm. try to de-glorify some of the things and and show that, you know, the, the, the other side of some of the show the downside to all the upside yeah 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 the yin and the yang and everything so you know it wouldn't be a real story if it didn't show the the both sides of the coin i think when you say about the relevance and not celebrating the past or and but i think one of the things that people are most excited about is to see the end the the yeah. few, like the ramp in hawaii so i don't think you've got any well you know that i i again uh you know that that to me is the most uh, for myself is is also, also like the part that I am most content with, and I and I'm not that content with it because I didn't really have much time to shoot it all. Mm-hmm. I'm actually heading straight from here back to Hawaii to continue filming. You know, the final cut of this movie when it comes out will have more footage in it than anybody saw at the premieres. Oh, okay, great. So, so I'm kind of in the midst of filming this part right now. Yeah, um, you know, I know when the I have until uh, September the final deadline for this segment but you know i got an, i got what i needed to get done in the time that i had to do it and is there su- some surprises tomorrow night compared to what's in the thrasher magazine or um you know i don't i think the thrasher magazine covers you know what i could do in three days of filming yeah um again you know like the, the part at the end is 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 you know me paying homage back to the skate community mm-hmm. which I wouldn't put a film out unless I could do so um, but this film wasn't about skateboarding you know this film was about more than skateboarding so yeah. obviously my pure passion and love for, for the skate community I couldn't you know put out a bunch of retros, retro footage and not have anything exciting and new at the end it wouldn't 
really serve me and or anybody else that follows me for my skateboarding. You've seen the film like a, a few premieres now? Yes. Yeah. Um, is there any bit of the film, whether it's embarrassing or painful, do you, like, do you cringe at when it comes up? Well, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, darkness in the film that I've had to endure. So, like, you know, for some people, it's it's a story that they can look at and they could probably understand. And some people might be able to relate because they've gone through the same things. But some of it, you know, is a little bit, you know, it, it gets me a little, hits, it hits home sometimes because it just mm. reminds me of some of the things that have happened over the years. And, you know, it's easy to suppress things and forget about them. But the movie's kind of a direct reminder to me of my past and... Not all of it was pretty. Yeah, yeah. So it's pretty honest, like... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, in an hour and a half film, you can only be so honest and you can only tell so much of a story. Mm-hmm. There's so much... Con- there's so much minutiae in all of this, in each little story that, you know, it becomes a real game of chess, picking and choosing the right things to put in there when there's an abundance of things to choose from. Yeah, so I think it's, you know, in an hour and a half, I think we told a pretty good story. And, you know, if I had, you know, everyone's attention for longer, I'm sure I could have kept, I could have yeah. told you guys more, but <laughs> I wouldn't want to bore anyone's ears for, and eyes for any much longer. Um, I dare say it won't be boring. I think it was maybe about a year ago you had the 20 years of Danny Way with sort of like since um, Shackle Me Not. Yes. Which when they that website came up, I was like, oh, that is awesome. You know, it's such a good trip down memory lane and then to go fuck that was 20 years ago yeah like did that hit you it's it constantly hitting me yeah like you know and that's the other thing when i watched the film there's there's also footage in there when i was younger that nobody's ever seen before when i'm real young so it's like to see yeah i mean go down memory lane and and to, to to look back that far and go wow that's that long ago and i'm still i'm still doing this and like you know other than you know growing up you know and becoming an adult and and a dad and becoming responsible and all these things are still a part of my personality that feels just like it did when i was a kid yeah yeah it's hard looking in the mirror and seeing myself now and then looking you know looking at the (laughs) video footage and going damn i kind of have the same mentality and feel the same to some extent but you know, I was a kid then. So yeah. It's weird. You know, a lot of times come by. Yeah, I don't know if that's a skateboarder thing. Like, I know when a parent says, watch out for the man, and you go, oh, where's the man? Oh, it's me. You're sort of still a little kid in your head. I'm not sure if that's just through skateboarding or... Yeah, I mean, I think that's why a lot of a lot of us, you know, love skateboarding. It's, yeah, yeah. It, it, to some extent, you can make you feel timeless, you know? Yeah, I think music's musician or being a musician kind of gives you the same ability. <laughs> but I think skateboarding's you know there's there's some good there's some guys out there that have you know give me a lot of inspiration that to keep going. That's for sure. Yeah, skateboarding has a habit of telling you that you're getting old as well. Dave Duncan still charging. <laughs> going back, when did you realize that you were good at skateboarding? You know, the first few days that you started skateboarding, was it immediately good, or did you like? No oh, man. I mean, I like, I, you know, you'll see in this film, I have some old footage when I was probably like 12 and 13. And there was like a trend, there was like a period between 13 and 14 that like, I feel like something clicked. Yeah. I went from like, you know, being somewhat sketchy, didn't have that clean of a style and I wasn't that consistent. And then I remember like one day, I remember the specific session where I got like errors every time and then I could tell they started to be getting easier and easier and then I could start grabbing whatever way and... 
And from that point on, it seemed like there was like this crazy acceleration of learning just because I learned how to, you know, do errors, you know. Yeah. And I, and I got comfortable doing it. And I know you sort of, some of your early years was at Del Mar. What is sort of your memories from like rocking up there and having, you know, the 80s superstars? I mean, those are some of my most nostalgic memories I have of skateboarding, I think, is those time, that time period and or those memories from those those sessions i got to see those contests at del mar keyhole where tony and christian got to go head to head and you know there was like three contests in in a row each year there that i went to and i remember they were i mean they're pretty historical events Mm. but that was like you know that was the hub or the epicenter of, of of what was happening in skateboarding at that time and i was just lucky enough to be in that community that i was i was close to it to be able to catch a little bit of that you know that energy before it went away um and that's kind of what infected me when i went there and i saw that you know to hear you know wheels you know to hear hear the wheels barking on concrete and trucks grinding pool coping and just all the noise and shit it makes when you skate concrete yeah yeah like as a kid it was just so like wow that's what i want to do yeah it's like when um like in the nineties when you couldn't get any of the the music from skate videos yeah. and so you just bootleg them off like yeah. we just taped them off the thing, like off plan B and all that. And then when you actually got the C D it was so weird to hear it without the grind noises. Oh, they sort of became part of the song. Shit. And so then when you'd hear it without like the woo or oh, so you're like something that. missing in this yeah. it becomes part of the mix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit, I didn't even think about that, but yeah, I think, you know, when when it went from pool skating to ramp skating, there was definitely something lost there. I was already addicted to skateboarding, so it wasn't the same, but I don't know if I would have been as intrigued by it if it wasn't as raw as it was when I first saw it. The equipment was so, you know, fucking minuscule. Like, there was nothing protecting anybody. Yeah, the old, like, Haro ones and stuff, and it was just like... Even before then, Haro yeah. was like, those are good pads. <laughs> I was going to start making pads for skating. I'm talking like the early late 70s ah oh, like the real rainbowy yeah. suspender ones yeah 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 started going to Del Mar that's what guys were still wearing yeah can, just right when, they, can, just right yeah, when they started to wear plastic caps you know so anyways it just seemed a lot gnarlier than it than it did you know once guys like Kevin Staub started strapping mattresses and couches to his legs and shit <laughs> you know skating on tra- you know ramps that were smooth and quiet and just looked down and kind of took the took the edge out of the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> and when you were younger like was it hard to prove that you, you weren't sort of like a novelty because like, i remember just seeing it was like oh this little kid won an trick comp or was that like something that you sort of to be taken seriously with those pros that had been around for so long you know i grew up at del mar so i don't think that you know some of them took started to take me serious as I started to progress but at that point when I won that you know the added trick contest or whatever you're talking about there but I, I was already like you know I'd already been in the pal video that like public domain had yeah. come out and like so I was pretty established as a am like a you know and a respected amateur skate yeah yeah but uh I don't think that you know uh, I don't I don't think there was too many people that were hating on me other than maybe one guy that day and after that whole event (laughs) (laughs) Um, and how nostalgic are you for those days like do you keep stuff you know i don't think i kept everything over the years i have you know the 
I don't have a lot of my trophies and stuff like that because I don't really think those things symbolize much. But I do have my first trophy I ever won. And it was at Del Mar Skate Park in the yeah. Key Hole, and that was my first contest ever, too. But I have that trophy, which is cool to me. Yeah. But, you know, I have, like, my Skater of the Year awards and a few other things. But, it, you know, for the most part, I, a lot of the times I gave my trophies away at contests to kids and shit. Before, like, Mullen and Mike V did it, you were the first dude to sort of to leave Pau Peralta of their own will, pretty much. Yeah. Were people just, like, uh, like shaking their head, just like, what are you doing? Um, I Yeah, I think so. I think people thought uh, I didn't know what I was doing, you know? Yeah. And I, and I probably didn't for the most part, other than I felt like where where I was at, I was, like, in a, you know, I was in a a pool, a pond of, of, of many tadpoles, you know? Mm. I Versus when I had the opportunity to ride for 8th Street, it was like, you know, getting the attention and spotlight on what I needed to do was so attractive for me at that time because I felt like I had such minimal resources and such a hunger to want to do so much. So it boiled down to me, or the real decision came to me when, you know, I just realized that if I didn't didn't make this move, I might be suppressed so much I might not ever be able to get a shot at what Mm. I wanted to do. Yeah. So it's like I didn't really care so much about the, you know, the making it or, or breaking it of H Street more so than just having an opportunity to get some support to go to the next level. Mm-hmm. Whatever happened at that point happened, but I couldn't really get further without getting certain things like plane tickets to certain events or, you know. So I was like at that cusp where I needed that that little bit more to get to the next level, and they weren't giving it to me. Yeah, I know when you when you did that, we were sort of as kids, just like, oh, that Hate Street must be the shit. You know, Hensley was a kid. I, you know, another friend I grew up skating with from my hometown, and you know, uh, before Hate Street, you know, Matt didn't have much of a reputation. It's Hate Street that really put him on the map. So, you know, when we started Hate Street, I had somewhat of a bigger name than Matt. But you know, as soon as we launched the Hate Street video, like Matt became the biggest skateboarder overnight in yeah. the history of skateboarding, and then all of a sudden, I was like. The, the, the small guy on the team, <laughs> which is cool because it was my buddy, but it was like, you know, but I don't think any of us anticipated H Street becoming what it was. You know, it was, that's what I, I think was so cool about it is it was like kind of, an, you know, an organic thing. It didn't really, I don't think we set out to accomplish what we accomplished. It just kind of transpired and it evolved as it went. And was it weird with Matt? Obviously, start of the 90s, everyone dressed like Matt Hensley. Yeah. Was it weird to travel the world and go, everyone's dressed like my friend? No shit, because, uh, I mean, I, I, I'd known him, I and mean, I grew up in the same town, so either chain wallet and fucking cutting off his shoes and spray painting his shoes, whatever. That was, like, standard issue Hensley stuff for a while. Like, that was, like, you know, he was always punk rock. He was punk rock in middle school. He was punk, He was wearing circle jerk shirts and sex pistols and getting kicked out of school for it and ditching school to smoke cigarettes or whatever so Hensley was always kind of that dude but yeah to see how much his image infected the rest of the world once he became famous for skateboarding I don't know if there's been another skateboarder since him that has had that much of an influence on the skate culture for one specific thing Mm. Asoy has obviously had his influence just being like you know uh, carrying himself like a, a like a rock star in, in the skateboard community, and obviously other people have followed that model, and, and it's mm. worked for some. Hensley was never that guy that wanted to be a rock star. He wanted to be the dude that nobody knew who he was. Yeah, but he hated. I mean, I think that that's what drove him away from skateboarding was that 
fact that he became that guy. Yeah, I remember just going to comps and that, and it's just like there's he didn't want to twenty Matt Hensley's like he didn't want to go, man. Yeah, the um I think the closest that that's come to is like Tom Penny, like later on that was like yeah. a worldwide. But there's like you know Matt had the chain wallet, the signature thing. Yeah. Like, his signature look, it was, yeah, I mean, no, you know, Penny didn't have, like, the one thing. Yeah, yeah. And the chain wallet sort of became a pop culture phenomenon that sort of can be drawn back to him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was his, you know, I don't think, at the time Hensley blew up, he wasn't the only one in our little skate community that was rocking a chain wallet. It was, like, a few of the guys, like Steve Ortega was running them. And like, yeah. But it was just the, our crew, you know, but Hensley was, I think, the guy that got it going. When you were sort of like just coming up and like being a teenager and being quite the phenomenon, is there advice that you've learnt through that that you pass on to like sort of the equivalent on your team now is Ryan Sheckler that to how to deal with it? Well, I mean, Ryan has a lot of good people in his life helping him manage his things, obviously. But if there's opportunity to lend, you know, some insight or experience or knowledge to anything that I can if these guys need any any help with anything of course I'm there for them but um you know uh, I do what I can but everybody's you know to some extent has to find their way it's hard you know to mentor somebody unless they really want to be mentored so obviously I'm there if the guys need it and and I definitely try and mentor you know a global feeling you know in these guys about how you know a skateboarding team should be and operate and you know what makes it successful and what doesn't and what makes each of the guys successful as a professional skateboarder is there any advice that you think you should have given like jeremy rogers or brian wenning who sort of seemed to i mean brian wenning's one of the greatest skateboarders of all time and he's one of the greatest guys man yeah i think there's a lot of people that struggle with the same thing you know it's just it, it, you know, it's, it's not everyone's cut out to be focused on 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 a career in skateboarding. Yeah, you know, some people might love it and love it to the point where they get that good at it, and the opportunity presents itself, and they take advantage of it, of it, and realize that they're not really in love with the other part of it. Yeah. So I think a guy like Wenning, you know, might be that kind of guy. That you know, his priorities aren't skateboarding, although he has fucking tons of love for it yeah he's good at it he just doesn't care that much about it being a career yeah yeah so and uh, you know as far as jeremy rogers goes um it was if there any advice i could give him he said i told him to not come out with the music shit man <laughs> I told him to hold up. He came to our, we had the plan b team house going and i built a studio on the house and then all the guys on the team started getting like making tracks just for, yeah you know, and then Jeremy just got super serious on the rap in, in the house, and then all of a sudden, like he's like, "Oh, I got this record deal, and like, we're skating." And, and it all happened, I think, from it transpired from the Plan B team house. So, if there's any advice I'd give him, like, should have listened. It's not come out of the music. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. No disrespect to the, his, you know, his passion for that, but I'm just saying, like, to to start doing something and then six months later release something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's like it's like it'd be like Little Wayne putting out a skate video part, the new Transworld video. Yeah, yeah. It'd be exactly like that, actually. Hey, you guys! I hope you're enjoying our chat with Danny Way. We're at about the half point mark, so plenty to come. I just wanted to let you know that while you listen. 
maybe go to theshoresaw.com and do a bit of virtual window shopping. We have currently got an end of season clearance going with our previous season's prints going out the door $29.95 for Shore t-shirts and $49.95 for Shore fleece. And there's a few other little treats in there as well. And every order over $100 gets free shipping Australia-wide and also receives our special COVID care pack free of charge, which consists of a complimentary Shore t-shirt, two pairs of socks, and a good worth in. The link to the sale items are in this episode's show notes, but whenever you are up for new clothing or sneakers, swing past theshorestore.com and see if there's anything that strikes your fancy. We would really appreciate your business. Thanks so much, and now back to Danny Way. You know, in the, like, the older videos, like you seemed, what I gather, and we'll probably find out in the film, that you lived a pretty unsupervised, like, teenage, yeah. Did that, do you think that directly affected your skating, like, not having boundaries at home that didn't have boundaries in your skateboarding? I think it made me more reckless on my skateboard. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, I, the, the, the repercussions of the recklessness off the skateboard weren't always the greatest. Yeah. But I think the general mentality just played all the way through the whole mm. style. You know, it wasn't like, okay, I'm going to go skateboarding now. I'm going to be reckless. I'm gonna, you know, I think it was just like, I don't know, we were just young and, and unsupervised. Yeah. <laughs> Resources to get into trouble, <laughs> uh, but when applied to the skateboarding, it was always amazing. Yeah, I read an interview with Mike Vialli recently that he did about, and he sort of mentioned the Plan B video got questionable, and just how he, when that came out, he felt, and I guess skateboarding was sort of like that ostracized because it was all about hard progression and everything else was sort of forgotten whereas now it's so much more inclusive was that your internal thought like oh if you're not keeping up we sort of like you we don't want you to be a part of skateboarding like because that was definitely the mentality of skateboarding you know like 91 like it was just hard progression well i mean i just think it's whatever the whatever people are interested in to each and own yeah right or wrong in skateboarding but you know, if 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 the consumers or the people that buy products in skateboarding are attracted to that mentality of skateboarding, nobody can control that. Mm. You know? It's not my fault. You know, it's it's nobody's wrong for feeding that either. You know, if, if the guys that don't want to progress don't want to keep up with that and don't want to feed that, then don't. Nobody cares. Like you know, Mike B wants to do whatever he wants. Mm. Great. You know, it's not about. You know, not having a place for anybody in skateboarding, and nobody can, you know, dictate what the fans want or the cons- you know people consuming this stuff want either. It's, yeah. You know, I don't do it for any other reason. I do what I do for the pure passion and love for what I what I do. I don't do it for anybody else. You know, and if it, what I do serves other people, then great. If not, I'll be like my feet, but whatever. You know. Yeah. Think it's too easy. You know, there's no right or wrong in skateboarding, and there's, you know, I don't think there's, a, you know. Yeah, I think back then there was a perceived right or like, yeah, yeah, well, definitely. You know, maybe, maybe in, maybe in the insecure mind of somebody that probably was looking around, going, hmm, I'm wondering what 
if I can keep up with this or not. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the insecure minds started to try and make that a, make that a, a focal point other than accepting progression was happening beyond the ability of some of people, you know? Yeah. I, I can't, you can't stop progression yeah. and you can't stop people's interest for feeding that, you know? Yeah. Did you have any, like any sort of something that came out new in skateboarding that when it hit you, you were just like, fuck, I can't do that. Um, I don't, you know, I mean, there's all, it, it depends what you're talking about. I guess at different increment or different bench or places in my career, I might've been like, well, that's nuts. But yeah. I think you get to a point where it's kind of falls back to what I was saying. Like, I don't really skate for anybody else. I'm not like looking at other people's progression and going, oh, okay, that's what I got to do to be better. Yeah. That, that's like the last thing I want to do is, is I try and not. You know, I mean, I skate with a few of my friends and we inspire each other. But for the most part, you know, I mean, I feel like, so. you know, the stuff that we're doing is kind of in, in the genre of skateboarding that we're in. We're trying to keep on the forefront of that, you know, so there's not really much, you know, I don't know. Like, I, thank God I'm not a street skater in this in this era right now because, yeah, that would be a scary world to be in. Yeah. Uh, it's it's nice to be in a place in skateboarding that's unique, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although I appreciate all aspects of skateboarding, I'm glad my skill set isn't just street because that's a hard, you know. Yeah, I would be a, I'd be afraid after watching Nigel's new video part. Yeah. <laughs> when you did the like the first the DC ramp with the the helicopter and the the world record air, and I think maybe the way I introduced that is part of the question it seemed like you were frustrated that the helicopter was such the focal point and the air was a bit of like the way people remember it is that yeah because it seemed like to you the air was the achievement yeah i mean i didn't set out to do that that day i set out to do a high air it wasn't about jumping off helicopters so that wasn't as rewarding to me internally because i didn't really care it was that's just a little side show to the main reason why that all went down so you know it was cool and it was fun it was you know obscure mm-hmm. but in the end of the day it had no real relevance to skateboarding so i was way more gratified with doing a a high backside air that yeah. day than i was jumping off a helicopter but i was definitely in you know into the helicopter thing it was fun it was you know it was interesting it was I took a beating trying it. Yeah. It was rewarding to make it on that level, but of course I would much rather contribute to, you know, the, you know, the, the things in skateboarding that are actually skateboard grounded. You know? Yeah. Yeah. When, when you actually jumped out, did you, did you get pushed down? Like, could you feel, I, I, I don't know. I have some, I, I was watching the, in this film, you'll see there's a couple takes of it, but I, I didn't remember how many slams I took that day, but I guess I took quite a bit. Mm. They have, like, a bunch of them in a row, but I had a couple that I hit the bottom, hit my face, and had pretty hard. Um, but, yeah, it was pretty abusive, actually. Yeah. I oh, know, but did, did, could you feel the helicopter, like, the yeah, blades? Yeah, you could feel it. You could yeah. see one. You could see where it just, like, slams me into the ground. Oh. But, I don't know. Again, it's not... <laughs> That, that isn't that important to me in the big picture of my skateboard. Yeah, yeah. And, and is that something I, I, I sort of, like, I, I watched a few interviews with you last night and I got the same feeling about the, the hard rock thing as well where you're sort of yeah. just like... It's whatever, you know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fun. It's, it's fun to do that kind of thing, you know, when I get a chance to do it. It's obscure. It's always fun to experiment with stuff like that. But at the end of the day, like, I'd much rather, like, put out... 
you know, a video part that people that, you know, that would, that skateboarding and, you know, people that care about skateboarding would appreciate more than Mm. jumping off a a big spectacle in Vegas so that a crowd walking by can go, who the fuck's that dog? (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, but I mean, I'm down to do shit like that because there's more to it than, you know, obviously it's like there's, there's a bigger picture to doing some of those things than just skateboarding sometimes. What's like one of the things that stands out in your mind that maybe was like so hard to you that sort of people like you was like, oh, are you serious? That was so fucking hard. Like how come that wasn't like a, like a trick or something that, that maybe like you know how much more effort that took than, than something that's maybe a little bit more visually stunning? Well, I mean, there's you know tons of things i think in some of the video parts that i've made that i could say that took me fucking 10 times longer than that yeah but what you wouldn't be able to you know unless i pointed it out you probably never know but yeah i mean damn there's it's hard to say what versus what but i think the most i don't know i mean the hard i think the most gratifying thing i've ever i know what that is there's one thing i've done that i'm definitely sure that was most gratifying feeling um was uh 360 flip over the. Oh, I was going to ask you for the cover of Transworld. Yeah, probably is the most extraordinary feeling I've had skateboarding. Yeah, how how long was that? How long ago? Well, I know, like how long? How like was that? Like days or was that? Uh, I did it in one day, but I wanted to do it again. I wanted to film it a different way. Yeah, I came back and I couldn't do it again. Like I couldn't fucking for the life of me. But one the first day I did it, I had a couple where I landed and rolled and fell off. But I had it one day that was like, yeah, it's at Bob's house too. So you know, I don't like to go out there and film too much. Because that was definitely one of the things that when I saw, it, I was like, fuck, it's it's a tray yeah, flip no, over a fifty yeah, foot gap. Yeah, it's you know, it's all. It, when I go to yeah it's Bob's house so it's like I don't like to bring a film crew every time I go there so mm. try and capitalize on the days that I do like with the mega ramp and all that sort of stuff it's, it's pretty gnarly like the drop and stuff like do you think about dying skateboarding is it like staples I mean or, you know the stuff that's happened at the X Games with Jake and I took that other slam a couple of years ago there's no doubt that something good catastrophic could happen in there mm. I don't I mean, I think we yet to see the worst for sure. If that's all, you know, like, I think what's what's happened already has been a, like a miracle as far as Jake and myself and both those situations not being substantially hurt. But I think it's been, you know, a, a miracle that nothing else of any kind's happened. Hmm. And there was that one uh, Brazilian, uh, what's his name, Volvo. He was rolling down the rolling at X Games last summer, I think, and he like kind of wobbled out and looped out before the jump. And luckily, he just jumped off the top of it and to the ground. But no, I haven't seen that go down yet. But a major loop out off the takeoff to the right or to the left off that thing would be pretty ugly. Mm. Um, I've seen the landing. Right. Were you there for Jake's slam? Yeah. Yeah. How was like not to. Like that, you you conceived the ramp and the event, and seeing your friend down there was that a long ten seconds? That absolutely, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, any one of your friends that you see get hurt like that is pretty crazy. Mm. But I was up on the top of the ramp, and it doesn't it takes so long to get down to the bottom from that point inside that building. So I didn't see him until he got outside. Um, but you know, 
it was that was an intense tense moment for sure mm. i don't know if anyone thought he was gonna walk walk away or wake up from that so those things put you know puts it back in perspective obviously it there's so much risk being taken all the time and it's just you get comfortable in that zone so you know it's like people don't think about stuff like that happening until it does because you know you see somebody skating the ramp all day and pretty much you know getting away with most of the falls not getting too hurt and then having the one big one happen um yeah i think it can get way uglier than that though so i get to see the worst and i think death is possible man of course <laughs> a chilling hint of things to come i mean it is it's just you know for sure i guess what's covered in, in the movie and, and what we're used to you is like you know, you set goals in skateboarding and generally you achieve them. Maybe the one thing that, and I'm not sure how important that was to you, was the, like the 900, which like in Risk It, you know, there's that classic cut to black. Well, actually, what happened after that? I don't, we've, I've never seen. I would, I would have rolled it away, would have had it in there. Sure. Oh, yeah, I know, obviously. But what happened, like, did you just like bail to your knees after that? I think I slid out or something. I was putting them down and just sliding <laughs> out on the bottom yeah but the whole thing with that i mean i and i think i that was like at a point where i think my mentality in skateboarding started to shift and you know there was in the 80s you know the rotational spin was kind of like the progressional move on vert you know, mm. tony was the guy that was kind of leading that department he was just, you know he was the first guy to do a 720 so when I was coming up, I you know thought it was a lot more important to do spin tricks like that. Mm-hmm. And as I started to learn how to you know street skate, and, and and as vert started dissolving, the vert scene started dissolving. I started thinking more and more like a you know with my street mentality on the ramps. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I I started to feel like those tricks were becoming more of like a an older mentality for me yeah. than you know so I wasn't as motivated to accomplish that you know like um I guess you know I it, for a vert for a completely vert minded you know guys that skate vert I think that that trick probably has more relevance to them mm-hmm. you know but for me I didn't think it really you know served me at a certain point yeah so you'd sort of just I moved just on interest in it you know? yeah was the way other way more things in skateboarding that i wanted to pursue than just waste my time but i i mean it would have been good to have done it when i did it should have done it when i did it because it would have put out a lot of fires in the future yeah but uh, it is what it is you know and the thing that sucks now is it's turned you know in, the, in, in all of skateboarding how relevant is vert skating and then how relevant is that portion of vert skating you know mm. it's uh, the trick that gets the most mainstream recognition or the most media attention in skateboarding is the 900 or now the 1080 a trick that has no relevance at all in skateboarding you know mm. You can't do a 1080 on to backsmith down the rail or you're going to do a 900 down the double set or you know it's like but to people that don't know skateboarding, they can identify something with that. Like Tony Hawk did a 900. You know, they don't even know what the trick is. But now there's this little kid that did a 1080, and now all of a sudden he's all over the media, and it's a big deal. But how much of a big deal is it really in skateboarding? It, it isn't. Yeah. It means shit to us. Yeah. I mean, maybe a few people on the vert ramp it means something too. But in, in all reality, or in the big picture of of skateboarding, like, you know, we're still we're. 
what's what's di- after the 720 what what's different than a 900 and a 1080 it's the same trick with a half or more rotation yeah it's a real creative progression there yeah it's it's a very creative way to progress the sport it's it's, a, it's actually bizarre how little like it was a youtube clip on facebook for a day and which was amazing but yeah no it's just it's just funny what you know what people attach to and and what they think is important yeah, boarding is is so much deeper than nine hundred and a ten eighty at this point, you know. Yeah, but yeah, again, it's it's easy for the yeah, you know, and, and I'm sure it's an awesome trick to accomplish for certain people. It just doesn't serve me anymore. In saying that, so how how much does modern skateboarding like interest you, like like magazines and videos? Well, I don't, you know, I'm not trying to do it. I'm just trying to do what I feel like feels like instinctually right for me at this point you know it's just an evolution of what i've been doing and i'm trying to do kind of what i similar to what happened when i when when the vert scene started to disintegrate and street skating became relevant and, and then it became you know normal to try and street skate on the ramp you know so i'm essentially just trying to apply the same mentality to the mega stuff now i want to try and make it all universal so that you know, whatever I'm doing, if it's trade flip, you can do it on a ramp, you can do it on the mega ramp, you can do it downstairs, you can do it to any, you know, like, those are the kind of things that interest me is mm. universal skateboarding at this point, you know, stuff that people can relate to that don't skate the mega ramp, even though it's on the mega ramp, they can still relate to it. Yeah, yeah. The same trick out here. Yeah. That's why I thought the trade flip on the, like, the cover was super cool flip, yeah oh no no the actual like the mega ramp tray flip at bobs oh, that one, yeah because yeah, yeah. it was like oh, that's a catch of a tray flip like that's yeah but you know i mean that's kind of where i feel my heart's at and where my passion lies obviously i love skating the mega size stuff because it's just more exciting and once you get a taste of it it's hard to go backwards it's hard to skateboard after riding that thing but if you look at all the you know how how much influence that we put into bird skating over the years to implement the street style mentality there's no reason it can't be applied to the mega size structures as well so that's kind of where i'm at with it right now my last question and and maybe the film explains it but do you ever wonder why you're danny way and i don't mean the person called danny way but why you're the guy hanging off the helicopter or you know, building this thing in a while, like what drives you so much further than like normal people? And I know you're a bit taken aback by that question, but yeah, uh, I don't think, I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't, fuck, I don't know. No, but obviously you've had a, um, a unique life and you've done a lot of, you, yeah. you know, what you do tends to be, you're the first person to do it. Well, I don't think I'm the guy. I think I'm one of many guys trying to push our sport, but I definitely think that I've found my little, path within it you know and everybody does uh but you know it's i'm not you know trying to be the guy i'm not saying that but like that sometimes like that you can't understand why everyone's not in the shackle me not video you have there's a voiceover and it says you can do anything yeah you just got to spend time on it yeah it's all in your head yeah well i mean i do believe that i mean there's a lot i mean there's obviously limitations on some limitation on most everything at a certain point but you know obviously my skateboarding vision has always been pretty broad as far as what i think is possible and it's just been limited by resources most often so you know, as the skateboarding industry and resources have become bigger and greater, 
it's allowed me to uh, you know experiment with my ideas more and in return have you know some of these have given me good results that have led me to the next thing so um, I, I really don't think I would have been able to progress this much if I in what I'm trying to do if I didn't have the support and the and obviously the, the resources that do so and that came from creating businesses within the skateboard industry to be able to even do this you know so it's kind of quite interesting the whole evolution of how I'm trying to accomplish the things I'm trying to accomplish there would be never be enough resources to do so unless I had to you know create those create a business to, to drive the revenues and resources to be able to experiment with skateboarding but why are you the guy that wants to do it like, do you wonder why that's... Why am I... I just love skateboarding, man. Yeah. I'm trying to do stuff they haven't done before. Yeah. And it's like anything. If you, you know, if you do it enough and you want to you find, you know, a repetition, if you do something too much, it gets boring. So I don't like to continue to do the same things over and over again. I love skateboarding enough that I will find something unique or new and interesting to, to experiment with to keep it fun and to keep it exciting. So I'm still motivated to keep going. Without that element or component to it, I don't really care to do it. You know, yeah. if, if it becomes a repetition thing for me, it's can't, I'm pretty much done with it. Excellent. That's the answer I was looking for. Tom, man, thanks so much. No worries. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed our interview with Danny Way. And as mentioned at the start of the podcast, highly recommend you check out Waiting for Lightning. It makes uh, this, the interview sort of serves as a, a good bonus feature to watching the documentary, which I know is available on Amazon and, and probably plenty of other streaming services. It is um, a very compelling movie. And the link is in the show notes, as well as the visually enhanced version of this with plenty of Danny Way footage to go along with what Danny's talking about. So if you want to re-listen with that, click that on YouTube, links in the show notes. And if you're enjoying the episode, the first episode went up last week with Dilruk Jai Singer a Melbourne comedian friend of the store. And this week we've got Danny. And after those two, you can tell the interview base is going to be pretty wide, but hopefully you enjoy the conversation each week. If you are shopping for uh, some fresh sneakers or hoodie or t-shirt, please consider checking out theshorestore.com. We are getting new stock daily and as mentioned in the mid-episode break we currently have a mid-season sale with tees going out for $29.95 hoods for $49.95 sneakers from $49.95 and free shipping over $100 and also a bonus short t-shirt with any order over $100 your business is so valued so i appreciate it and if you're just enjoying the podcast and want to lend us some support get on itunes and write a sweet five-star review 
on our podcast listening. Uh, hit like and subscribe if you are on YouTube and if you're listening to the podcast. Also, hit subscribe so you get the episode as soon as it comes up. Thanks for your support of both the podcast and the Shore Store. Oh, we cannot wait to have you be able to visit our store again. But in the meantime, give us a follow on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter at The Shore Store. And we'll be back next episode with more good stuff.